So I had a few people came up during the break, which was really lovely. It was nice to connect with uh, a few people individually. And uh, a number of people were saying that they were finding, finding it helpful, uh, what we were doing, and that they were having unusual, uh, unusually calm meditations, a lot less thinking going on. Um, it's not necessarily what happens with everyone, though. I wondered if anyone is, is anyone struggling or finding this confusing? Or there's lady there. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's very difficult to do this when we're when we're tired. Yeah. Um, have you tried coffee? <laughs> I mean the. You know, monks in Japan would drink you know, green tea to help them in meditation. I have uh, sometimes found that a coffee before meditation can really help when, <laughs> when, I'm, when I'm tired. I had a question about uh, eyes being open versus eyes closed. And actually we're going to do a meditation that starts off with the eyes open. But uh, pretty much if you're going to get into dhyana, uh, it's, it's more useful. I'm not saying you can't do it with the eyes open. You can. Uh, you can experience first jhana, and I'm going to come back to first, second, third, fourth, etc. You can, you can experience first jhana right now. You might be experiencing you know, in this very moment, for all I know. But if you're going to get to, to get into dhyana it, in meditation, it's useful to have the, the eyes closed. When you're meditating with the eyes open, I mean, usually the instructions are just to let your eyes rest likely somewhere. And, you know, you're just aware of the whole visual field, which is what I was talking about. That's uh, a very good way of calming the mind. So you get the calmness. <clears throat> but... Jhana involves being more, you know, deeply uh, engaged with the body, and I'm not saying you can't do that with the eyes open, but it's generally, I think, easier to do that with the eyes closed. Uh, the, the, I don't know what the figure is exactly, but people usually say things like, you know, 70% of your sensory input is visual. So what we're doing is we're shifting from the visual to the more, you know, kinesthetic. And it's easier to do that if we reduce the, uh, the visual input. Right, right. So you were kind of using a flashlight, really, going right. gently. Oh. Thank you. You were uh, you were gently going around, you know, those different components of the experience. But no, the, what I'm suggesting is being aware of them simultaneously and being aware of the way that they're interacting with each other. I mean, the the flashlight way of looking is very strong and very habitual. And uh, you know, a lot of people, when they're first trying to, you know, connect with a more lamp-like uh, form of inner attention, find that they keep slipping back into using a flashlight and therefore the flashlight is kind of like moving 
rapidly around, or in your case, more kind of elegantly and gracefully around, I think. I think that was a nice way to, to handle it. But I'm going to do an exercise with the eyes uh, that hopefully will be helpful with that. Don't know if there's any more questions or... Did, was, uh, how are you getting on? That was fabulous. Oh, uh, this fun... <laughs> oh, fabulous. I like fabulouses. <laughs> oh, great. Well, that's really nice to hear. Well, thank you. No, no, it's, there's a microphone on its way to you. We want to hear your question. Um, it, was, it was lovely, but particularly for the upper body, I oh. found um, that so incredibly nourishing. Um, sometimes I'll use for pity just a sense of well-being, too. Like that's, and it's just that, that flow, that expansiveness of well-being. I found that just a constantly coming back to the, not constantly, but like occasionally coming back to the eyes, um, just the upper body felt so nourished. Oh. Um, and that's a, not a place that works so well for me sometimes. Oh, so, interesting. Thank you. All right. Yes, another question. So I noticed that you suggested starting at the belly, then expanding to shoulders, and then nose. I usually start at the nose. I'm curious if you chose that order for a reason or to play around with it, depending on just what's going on. Random, really. Um, I got to introduce them in some order. I just decided to start with the belly. I suppose uh, the belly is particularly grounding. Uh, if the mind is, that was one of the first things I was, I was taught really, um, you know, if you are, if the mind is very active and you want to slow that down a bit, then taking your attention to the belly has this more kind of, you know, grounding, stabilizing kind of effect. Uh, I was also told, and for the lady who's very tired, uh, that the opposite is the case as well. And this actually works uh, to some extent. If you're feeling tired, if you're feeling sleepy, then keeping your attention high up in the body, in in the head, the those kind of like vivid, cool, refreshing experiences of the you know the air moving into the body is quite vivid, and you know the the alternation of that with the air moving out of the body that's more helpful for uh, for staying awake. But anyway, it was kind of random. Yes, the uh, microphone is on its way. I feel like I've done this kind of progression through the first tetrad of Anapanasati, mm. yeah. kind of expanding yeah. through the body, and then it just gradually leads into PT. Yeah. The more expansive, and then that, that leads get. into joy. Is that the direction that you're? Yeah, us? yeah. It, it was in, it was interesting just noticing that that's in the Anapanasati tetrads. It just uh, naturally well. kind of leads yeah. into. Yeah, and uh, you know, mindful of the whole body, breathing mm -hmm. in and out, mindful mm -hmm. of the whole body. Yeah, it's definitely moving in that direction. I'm glad you made that connection. And we have another one, the gentleman here. you typically start with one place and then expand? Um, well, this was more of a, a, an exercise. 
just to get people used to noticing more than one experience at the same time. Um, but I suppose, yeah, if I'm meditating by myself, I have to like pretend I'm <laughs> meditating now. Yeah, I suppose I start with uh, a core experience down here and kind of like, you know, move outward into the body. So I'm, I'm aware of, uh, you know, air flowing in and I'm aware of the chest, I'm aware of the belly. So it's this kind of whole core and then I'm kind of experiencing what is outside of that until I'm experiencing the whole body. Yeah. We're going to play around with that as well. I'll, the, there was a question about the four dhyanas, but I think I'm going to come back to that at the end, as well as maybe uh, saying a little bit about the relationship between jhana and insight, which might not be quite what you're expecting. Yes, hello. Yeah, so the closest name is the phrase of jhana. Yeah. I'm curious why. Oh, um, well, I, I, I kind of touched on that a little earlier. Uh, about how sometimes people are put off by, by Diana. They've heard about it. It's this kind of unattainable thing. There's sometimes this kind of sour grapes uh, experience goes on. And sometimes it's described as being, you know, like the greatest danger on the, on the spiritual path because you can get so seduced by all of these feelings of pleasure and happiness that uh, it'll stop you from, from going for insight. So... It was kind of a sort of a joke, uh, in a way, but with you know the serious core that people don't know how to relate to, to Jana a lot of the time, and I, I think that's really because there's there's often a lack of uh, instruction about how to allow it to happen. <laughs> well, I kind of stole the title in a way. There's uh, there's a lot of people avoid uh, loving kindness meditation as well, you know, metabhavana meditation. There's uh, a lot of people have experiences of failure round, round about that. Um, and somebody I know in London ran a, a meditation course called something like Who Hates the Metabhavana? Uh, <laughs> so I kind of cribbed on that a little bit. You just have to yell. One, two, okay. Could you explain how to deal with physical pain and this idea of this is supposed to be pleasurable, but right. then if the sensations are not pleasant, okay. what, how do we keep practicing? Well, there's a whole, there's a whole bunch of things that we can, we can say about pain. There's the, the learning not to react to it, the learning just to treat uh, pain as if it was any other sensation. Um, becoming curious about it, investigating it, uh, all of that is useful. Um, I'll be talking more about uh, the body and well, guiding you more into the body and uh, observing kind of like flows of experience in the body. You could call it flows of energy, but I'm a little reluctant sometimes to, to use that word energy because it's so kind of, you know, woo-woo. But there is this, there is this sort of... Uh, flow we can experience of uh, sort of connected interconnected um, sensations moving in a wave through the body and we can kind of have a sense of this wave moving 
uh, through and around parts of the body that, that are in pain. And that can be very helpful as well. I've actually done this uh, while having a migraine. Um, uh, there was one time I was, I was lying in bed uh, with a migraine, you know, horrible pounding headache. And I thought, yeah, hell, just meditate with it. So uh, I, I found that I was able to have a migraine and also experience my body as being full of all these wonderfully pleasurable sensations at the same time so that the, the head, headache didn't really matter anymore. Didn't expect so many questions. Um, I, I guess I just wanted to share something because it's directly related to that. Um, I had, um, interestingly, uh, the second time I've had this experience, both times with the same meditation partner, um, I had an intense uh, amount of energy land in my foot, mm. and it became very painful. Uh -huh. It felt like all of the sort of tensions and injuries and pains of a lifetime kind of landing in one place. Hmm. And uh, I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to include that in these yeah. three. Now I'm going to like make it four. And I found it to be an incredibly lively feeling. Hmm. Like there was such a sense of pain having a kind of aliveness to it. Right. That it really did become, I don't know if pleasurable is the right word, but it removed the assumption that there was a problem. Right. Um, and it felt like I was, it, it allowed me to be even more deeply present with my experience. Hmm. And eventually it began to shift, which was also an incredible thing to notice, was that even on a moment-to-moment -moment basis, if I could take my assumption about it away, it, mm. it, it was changing. Mm. Mm. That's beautiful, thank you, yeah. Yeah, this really is about um, allowing everything to be there. And uh, it's something I was gonna say in terms of uh, uh, sukha, uh, joy uh, in particular, that uh, really we want to just, uh, want to practice as much acceptance uh, as we possibly can. Uh, as as long as the mind is reacting to something, it's not stable and it's not um, it's not still, and there's no wholeness to our experience because there's a sense of part of our experience that we just don't want to be there. Go away! You're such a problem. Why can't you just stop existing? Um, Diana is this very very whole experience where we're aware of of everything functioning together. And that can include things that are, are painful as well. We just see them in a bigger context. Because if there's something painful going on in your body, usually there's a lot of other stuff going on as well. The problem is that we focus on the pain in a very resistant kind of a way, and that cuts us off from pleasurable experiences or potentially pleasurable experiences that might be happening elsewhere. And if we can relax a bit, round about the, the pain, round about the discomfort, and allow ourselves to become aware of what's going on elsewhere, and we discover actually it's really quite lovely, then you can have the pain there, and you can have all this other stuff there, and it's, well, the, the pain can be more than balanced out by all that other stuff. So I think we should a little bit more meditation.
not be too talky. I appreciate the questions. I'm sorry, that sounded like I might be critical, and I'm, I'm not. It's just that practically, if we keep on talking, we won't meditate, and also it's going to stir up our minds.